to try to keep up with this clock. Don't you look at yours. I'm going to watch mine. Amen. Now, Paul talking to the Corinthian church said this. But I keep under my body. Say my. my. So just don't worry about other people when you keep yours. You got a man-sized job. Okay? Paul said, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others I myself should be a castaway. Now before we go any further let me take this one verse of scripture from Paul and it refutes this modern day once saved, always saved business. Isn't that right? Aren't you glad you're in a church that does not believe that? that that prodigal son uh, was alright but I want you to know that prodigal son at the hog pen was not alright for the father said my son was lost but now he is found if that prodigal son would have died at that hog pen and not repented of his sin and come back home the Bible said he was lost I don't care how many times you've been to this altar and have prayed through, how many times you've been baptized in Jesus' name, how many times you've shouted these eyes, if you die out there at the hog pen, you're lost. Do you know that? I'm not here to preach anything different than what your pastor preached. I just want to back him up. We're serious in this end time. I'm your friend. I'm your friend. He's your friend. The reason we're your friend is because we've met the friend of all friends. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you pray for me? Lord, we thank you for your word. Now I'm going to be bold and announce the subject. I'm going to be bold. Did you know, did you know, did you know we're living in a day and age where the devil is trying to scare the preachers? Some of them have done quit preaching truth, afraid they'll step on somebody's toes. I wouldn't give you two cents for a preacher like that. Would you? God, give us holy boldness to preach truth. You should pray that the preacher will have Holy boldness to preach truth. If I live long enough, I may have to give my life for this. But it'll just be a shortcut to glory. My subject is there must. Repeat that word with me. Must. Boy, when you say must in the 20th century, you've got to be bold. There must be controls. I'm talking about self-control. Yes, sir. 
Don't you know you cannot turn yourself loose? I don't care how young you are or how old you are. Haven't you heard the statement of late down through some of these modern uh, 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 advertisements in some of the newspaper over the radio about the animal? Huh? A lot of men and women have turned from human beings to animals. Why? Because they have turned themselves loose. No control. Am I right? You know as well as I know that you this morning that's in this church that have the Holy Ghost and the sweet peace of God in your soul, you cannot turn yourself loose. There's capabilities in each and every one of us if we was to turn ourselves loose. There is no telling what we would do. That's the truth. I want to ask you now. I've got that big old car out there. Not trying to impress anybody. That thing is that thing is supplying a need. It's the last of the big engines because it pulls a big trailer. And oh God, that thing's got power. Five hundred cubic inch engine. When you got the nerve enough to push that pedal to the metal, that thing will jump like a spurred horse. But now if I was to tell all of you this morning, hey, after church, come out and get with me in that old 76. I'm going to turn it loose. I'm going to speed out of here. I'm not going to stop at a stop sign. I'm not going to stop at a red light. We're going to take a ride. Now, if you got in the car with me after me telling you that, I'm going to tell you how stupid I think you'd be. You would be stupid plus. Isn't that a fact? But as you look at this modern world we're living in, that's exactly what a lot of men and women, boys and girls are doing. They're just putting the pedal to the metal and here they go. They're doing everything in the world and it's getting their lives in some of the most complicated messes it ever was. And it's not only the world, it's happening in our churches. It's a fact. Now, since the space age started, it's got a lot of us looking up a little bit. We should have been looking up for that. But it has let me to know, after studying out there in the space business, that there's a lot of stuff out there in those planets. Amen. A lot, lot out there. Amen. But I do not believe that it just happened. I believe God created it. I believe he put the moon out there and wasn't it pretty last night? How many saw that harvest moon last night? Oh, Jesus. God put that thing out there. The sun that's up there today, God put it out there. The stars that's up there, God put it out there. All those other planets that's up there, God put them there. And they're all in order. They have been traveling in that order for centuries on top of centuries. Our God is a God of order. 
That's the reason that our educated uh, scientists and physicists, uh, if I said it right, amen, could take those calculators and all and calculate, amen, how to send a spaceman out there and bring him back. The reason they could do that is because that space out there, God's got it in order. That's the truth. All right, this world that we're living in. Man, sort of got it complicated, but it's still in order. I've been, we was observing coming down here about the beautiful fall colors that's coming in. I sort of like the fall weather. You know, you don't have to give it this much. Uh, Amen, don't you love it? But... You better, you better wonder where your summer wages is gone because it's not going to be long till that white stuff's going to go to falling. Amen. Have you saved your long johns from last winter? <laughs> if you haven't, you better get them laundered, buddy. You're going to need them. Amen. After we've about spent all of our money for fuel, first thing you know, there's going to be a pretty little bird uh, set down on our windowsill, start singing, and you look out and the John Quills are up. What's happening? Spring is coming. Amen. Then look out, here comes summer. See, God's got this world in order for it's in his hands. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the Lord blessed us to get to go to the Philippine World Conference. And oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Listen, when I crawled on that big 747, have any of y'all ever rode one of those things? You know that's the biggest bird I ever saw. Isn't that right? I just almost declared, being an old country boy, that that thing would never get off the ground. Every seat was filled. And of course, when they put all those gallons and gallons of fuel on there, the weight of that is absolutely mind-boggling. Then to look out at that big conveyor belt that's about this wide and all that luggage and freight coming up those... I said, my God, there's tons of that. And I said, oh, Lord, this thing will never get off of the ground. But after a little bit, I saw that pilot come in. Oh, he had on that uniform. There wasn't a wrinkle anywhere. He had his briefcase by his side and had his cap on. And I saw under that cap those white sidewalls. I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Evidently, he knows a little bit about flying. He's got enough age on him. He ought to know what he's doing. I sure wouldn't have wanted to stay down there with a novice at control. But way, now notice, now he said something. I want you to get this. Way in the night, we was 38,000 feet, I think, and everybody was sort of dozed off, and all of a sudden, that big bird got to giving it this. Boy, you talk about people waking up and straightening up. We did. That captain came on that intercom, and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry of the discomfort that you're having right now. But notice what he said. I am seeking permission to go up higher. 
There was a big executive sitting by me. I said, thank you, Jesus. No better words have I heard of late than what that man said. He said, I'm seeking permission to go up higher. See, there is a, a control on those airplanes out there. Now here's the thing, this pilot could have said, I know no doubt he could have said this. See, with his age, I imagine he'd flown every type of airplane in the country. There is no telling how many hours he had logged in the air with different airships. He could have said, he could have said, he could have said, I've flown enough, I've got enough experience, I'm going to take this ship up and all these hundreds of people with me and get some smooth sailor. I'm not going to ask anybody anything. Don't you know that's what's getting a lot of people in trouble today? I'm going to do as I please. I'm not going to ask the pastor, mama, daddy, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, a Sunday school teacher, nobody. I'm going to do as I please. That's the thing that's getting people into trouble. Oh, listen. We do not live to ourselves, neither do we die to ourselves. Amen. I got some more news for you. I do not belong to myself. And if I don't belong to myself, you do not belong to yourself. Jesus died and paid for us. We belong to him. We need to pray every day, Lord. Not my will, but thy will be done. Isn't that right? But this rebellious spirit of the modern age where people's going to do as they please, they don't care who it hurts, who they walk over, or what destruction that they do to people or to things, here they go, here they go. And it happens even in churches over the country. Amen. My Lord, there's some old rebellious uh, uh, hard head will come in and destroy a church that has been sacrificed to be built. Amen. And hours and years of work and hard tug and toil, they'll do it in the name of heaven, they'll do it. But don't do it in Jesus' name. Now you know our government's got a new system out and billions of dollars has been allocated for it to try to teach people learn how to say a little two-lettered word. Amen. No. God. Help us. Man, brother, brother, you and I have been telling people there's been no's ever since we started preaching. Amen. A lot of this modern theology, amen, they have got to the place that there is nothing that's a sin anymore. There is no no and no yes, just a gray area. I tell you, here's an old preacher still believes that there is black and white. There is still yes and there is no. This book declares it, friend. This book declares it. This book declares it. It has forever declared it. And I don't believe it will ever change either. Amen. I'm not in the gray area this morning, are you? I know what I can do and what I can't do. And I don't fuss with the can'ts. I like the yeses. <laughs> that looking forward's all right to me. Amen. <laughs> 
I told the pastor last night I was in a, a good pastor friend's office over in Van Wert, Ohio just a month or two ago and he had a beautiful plaque in his office and I, I had to walk over and look at it and read it and when I read it, I, you know, being my age, my memory is about, let's see, yeah, about that long. I just wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. He said, preacher's wages, they don't make much money, but said the retirement is out of this world. <laughs> so... If you're not on a good paying job down here, don't worry about it. If you'll live for the Lord, the retirement is out of this world. God help us. God help us. God help us. There must be control. Now after we got to Manila and I got aboard that big bus and was going down the heart of the city and that's a big city. My Lord, I never saw the like of people the like of bicycles, the like of, uh, of uh, jeep, jeepneys, jeepneys, yeah. Uh, converted jeeps, people hanging all over them, people walking, people riding, and there's no traffic lights, no traffic signs, no traffic cops. My God. I, I was sitting on the edge of that bench just cringing, and that young driver that was driving that bus, I knew he was going to kill somebody, wreck us all and kill us all, but he took us through that city and didn't even put a scratch on anybody or that bus either, and didn't do any damage to anybody but to my nerves. I said, thank God for traffic control in this country. Amen. Ah, don't fuss at these red lights and stop signs and traffic cops. My Lord, they're your friend. Let me read you a verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians 9 and 12. I got to hurry. Oh, Lord. Paul said, Paul said here, now you, first now you got to notice who Paul was. Paul was a natural seed of Abraham. Isn't that right? Now, I want you to get this in your mind before I read this verse of scripture. He was a Pharisee of the strictest sect. Paul was not a dumb bunny. He was highly educated. He got his schooling at the feet of Gamaliel. And he was, according to history and Bible, as far as I can find out, he was a wealthy man at one time. He sat on the Sanhedrin court. That would be sort of like what I think our Supreme Court. So, man, he was way on up there. And he sincerely thought he was right in his religion and his theology and all that stuff because he was going out putting the Christians to death, putting them in prison, and thought he was doing the will of God. Did you know that's happening in a lot of countries today? They're putting our wonderful Pentecostal people to death and in prison. And don't you know, just as soon as they get a little more leeway in the USA, you better get ready because your time's coming. I believe you are. I believe you are. Amen. That's, that's what I'm doing. For that's the last mile is the mile that's going to count. Amen. So notice what he said in 1 Corinthians 6 and 12. He said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. 
See, he was delivered from that Phariseeism. He is delivered from Judaism and the law that had him bound, making him think he was right. See, he didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. It took that Damascus road trip and that experience of being knocked from that animal to the ground and hearing the voice of the Lord. And when he said, who art thou, Lord? He wasn't talking to Jesus. He was talking to Jehovah God of the Old Testament. Jehovah God of the Old Testament said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest and it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. He said, what would you have me to do, Lord? And the Lord said, get on the street that's called straight and it'll be told you what you must do. So what did old Paul have to do? Saul have to do? He had took him three days and nights to repent. <laughs> Good God, my Lord. Yeah, he was really a strict Pharisee. It took him a while to repent. But when Ananias went over and laid his hands on him, prayed for him, scales as it were fell from his eyes, he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know, he talked in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. It wasn't one of these modern dudes set him down in a chair and said, Now, nah, brother Saul, you say, I tie my tie, untie my tie, I tie my tie, untie my tie. Now you've got it, brother Saul, you've got it. It wasn't none of that cheap junk. That's, this old preacher calls that cheap junk. This old preacher calls that one of the height of deception that's deceiving literally thousands of people in this country today. Oh God, wake us up and let's get the real thing and keep the real thing. Amen, amen, amen. He got the real thing. No man didn't have to teach him to talk in tongues. He talked in tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. And then he was baptized in the name of the one that's crucified for him. What was his name? Jesus. Jesus. Oh, yes. There's no other way. No other way. Amen. You see, that's why he said what he did. You say, well, Brother Ains, I can't understand why you're taking all this time. Well, I, I know what I'm doing. Amen. Because there are folks that has left some of our churches, some of, used to be preachers, that's telling our people, get away from over there. Brother Elder's got you in bondage. Come on over here with us where you can be free. You can do anything you want to and you're free. You can do anything you want to because you're free. I want you to know this pastor and I are not in bondage. When we went to an old-fashioned altar several years ago and repented of our sins, God set us free. That's what happened to you when you came. God set you free. Are you in bondage this morning? I'm certainly not. I've been set free. But I don't care what those dudes out there say to me. I don't want to follow them. I want to stay here where I'm free. He whom the Son 
one has made free is free indeed. Praise God. I don't want to go back to that. I'm going to be bold and say this. I drank all the whiskey I want to drink. I gamble all I want to gamble. See, we go to Las Vegas quite often over in Nevada. It's because I got two granddaughters over there and a son and a daughter-in-law. We go to see them every once in a while. Amen. I think I'm about the only one that leaves there a winner. <laughs> but I just feed all those slot machines that I want to feed. Amen. Amen. I cuss all I want to cuss. Oh, I used to be a cusser. My mother-in-law said I never heard anybody with such a filthy mouth in my life. Huh? Oh, yeah. I go to all these Saturday night shindigs that I want to go. See? I'm not bound. I do all that stuff I want to do. But the thing that I'm so thrilled and excited about when I knelt at that altar on that sawdust floor in that old tabernacle under Oscar Vogel's preaching years and years ago, God fixed my want to. Amen, 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 amen. Is yours fixed this morning? Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen now, I want to make a statement. Evil or vice, V-I-C-E, that's a four-lettered word. I guess that word would cover any type of sin, wouldn't you think? I'm not an authority on words, but that's the way I look at it. Vice and spiritual life cannot, cannot cannot, is that plain enough? Vice and spirituality cannot exist together. For the life of one is the death of the other. If anybody in a Pentecostal church is having trouble, it's the one that's sitting straddle the fence. Well, just to think about that sounds like trouble to me. <laughs> Amen. My Lord, I don't want to sit straddling nobody's fence. I don't care if it's got a big rail on it. I think it would get uncomfortable after a while. The old preacher said we need to be pig or puppy one. And I'll put it like this. Can you imagine me using language like this in Brother Kenneth Reeves' church? Educated man, supposed to be studied to be a lawyer. I talked to his congregation. I said, I'm going to put it where you can understand it. Now, your dear pastor, Brother Reeves, wouldn't talk like this, but I'm going to fix it where you can understand it. I said, you either is or you ain't. And you understand that, don't you? When I look back at him, he, he was just sitting there and his big old belly was just a, a jumping up and down. He was, he was getting a kick out of that. But his people understood that. So what I'm telling you, say no to this modern world. Say no to this modern theology. Amen. We cannot serve two masters. You'll love one and you'll hate the other. But if you want to be happy and excited and thrilled, say 
goodbye to this world. I'm gonna take Jesus for mine and serve him with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. Amen? Amen. Oh, yes. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That's right. You sort of you sort of need to know who you're associating with. And when we was in Fort Wayne, there's a couple of our kids that hitched a ride, a brother and a sister, with a man that they didn't know too well. He was oh, way on up in his 30s, probably the late 30s. These kids lived out in the country away. And naturally, they didn't want to walk. Well, you like to walk that much? So they hitched him a ride. This fellow, come on. I'm going right by your place. I'll take you there. So they got out in sort of a desolate place and wasn't nobody around much. There was a car park sort of sitting out to itself. This fellow stopped that car. You kids just sit still. I'll be right back. He got under the deck lid of his car and took a five-gallon gas can out and a siphon hose and went over to this parked car and started siphoning that man's gasoline because he was gone. Don't you know it's a sin to steal gasoline? It's against the law to steal somebody's gasoline. Now, I don't know whose this is. It's a pretty nice little horse, but it doesn't belong to me, so I'm going to do my best to leave it right here. Amen. You say, well, that thing is worthless. Don't make no difference what the worth is upon it. It doesn't belong to me, so I'm going to leave it right here. If I took this horse with me, I would be stealing, and I'd be guilty as, the- as of a thief. And this thing is worth not even a penny. There's no difference in stealing this than now embezzling a million dollars. Now that's the truth. Whether you believe it or not, it's still the truth. You know what those kids should have done when they saw that man with that five-gallon gas can and that siphon hose uh, put in that man's car? They should have jumped out of that vehicle and run like scared rabbits. But you know what's the matter with a lot of this young society today? They don't want to be called a chicken. Well, here's one bird don't mind being called a chicken. I'd rather be a live chicken as a plucked chicken any day. So there happened to be a neighbor that peeked out of her shade and saw what was going on. She slipped to the telephone right quick and called the law. Happened to be a police car right in the area and he was in on this guy and caught him red-handed, mind just like that, and arrested him just like that. But he didn't stop there. He went right around and opened that car door and got my two Sunday school kids out of that car and arrested them too because they were accessories to the crime. And just so happened I was in the office and they got a chance to call me and I got to run down there and plead with those authorities to leave those kids go. I said they were innocent. They wasn't doing anything. But those authorities said they was riding in the car with this guy. You see what I mean? You can get yourself in deep trouble by not knowing who you're associating with.
source run. Say no. Get out of there and get away. Why, my God, I cannot feature the society of today that lets some long-legged, lop-eared, no-good, low-down dog walk up to him with some dope and say, hey, take this. Kick him in the seat of the pants and say, get away and leave me alone. a lot of our beautiful little wonderful girls walking down the street and I've seen this happen and an old raggedy van roll up beside them with some old dudes in there with long filthy dirty hair and beard that no telling how many cooties was in it and they get out and start talking to those pretty little teenage girls and those little girls would come off of that sidewalk and get into that old filthy van and drive off with those dudes. It's hard to believe I saw it with my own eyes right in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I went home just moaning and groaning and crying and told my wife, I said, I can't understand that. Those two old dudes, and they were old enough to be grandpas, they ought to be strung up by the heels. But those little girls wasn't forced to get in that van. They had no business getting in that van. No, sir. Looking for some excitement. My God, have mercy on us. Oh, Lord, Doc. I got something going here. I ain't going to get through. I'm not going to get through. Oh, God. I'm your friend. I'm trying to get us ready for the coming of the Lord. If you're ready, I'm trying to keep you to stay ready. Don't let the devil deceive you and fool you at this end time. Amen, no sir. All right, now I'm not into any new areas. I've been doing this for years and I'm not adding anything new. I'm just rehashing a lot of old stuff. Separation of Christianity from the world is a must. You know why the children of Israel stood out so back in the old Bible days? It's because they were a separated people. Of course, they failed. That's why Jesus had to come and break down the middle wall of petition between the Jew and the Gentile because God and the dispensation of grace has still got to have a separated people. Isn't that right? You cannot be a, a, a modern Joe that goes along with the crowd. You've got to walk with the Lord and separate your left life and self from the things of this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man uh, love the world, any him, uh, the love of God is not there. That's Bible. That's Bible. It's Bible. It's Bible. Oh, Lord, don't y'all feel hard at your pastor? I don't know how he preaches. I think he's a hard preacher, and I just admire him for him. That's why I wanted to come to see you. You preach it like it is. I've heard that. I believe that's true. 
You ought to thank your God for a man that preaches it like it is. Now, you say, well, now, Brother Reigns, you're sort of like Brother Elder. My, you're tough. No, I'm not. Come on, brother. He said, you're going to get it so hard that none of us can live it. No, I'm not. No. I know I can't live it by myself. The Bible says he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. See, that's where the difference is. Oh, we can't do it by ourselves. And when you've got Jesus there, he can do it for you. Let me tell you a little story about a black boy. Amen. He was on a construction job. And he was as mean as the rest of them. But there was a revival in the community. He started going to the revival and he got sanctified. I like that word, and I hope the black people never quit using that word sanctified. Do you still talk about being sanctified? You keep on talking about being sanctified. Sanctified means set apart. So he got sanctified in that revival. And when you find Jesus and get sanctified, he cleans up your heart. And when you get your heart cleaned up, it cleans up your mouth. It takes that sticky stuff over your fingers where you won't steal this little horse. Is that plain enough that you know what I'm talking about? It gives you strength to walk by that booze place and say, God, have mercy on that man and all the people that go in there. Huh? See, he got sanctified. So back out on the job, all the guys was picking at him, just, just absolutely tormenting him to death. And the foreman of the job was as big into it as the rest of them. And this boy, he'd just sing and he'd whistle and he wouldn't say nothing ugly back to him. See, God changes you. He that's in Christ Jesus is a new creature or a new creation. Old things pass away and behold, all things become new. Are you still new? Are you still new? See, if you're not the same old new person that you was when you found him at the altar, maybe you've letting things get out of control a little bit. Oh, you wouldn't have thought I'd have said that, would you? <laughs> See, I'm your friend. So finally the foreman got ashamed of himself, of all guys. And he finally got the black boy out to one side and he said, Lay, say man. He said, I, I want to apologize to you for the way I've been treating you. He said, I've been as big into it as the rest of the guys. He said, what in the world has happened to you? You're a different fellow. We can't get you riled up. We can't get you to curse or get back at us or nothing. He said, what's happened? He said, well, boss man, I'll tell you something right now. He said, there was a revival in our community and I went to church. And said, that preacher preached, oh, it got a hold of my heart. I went to that altar and I repented of my sin and God sanctified me. But I want to give you that black boy's recipe. He told that foreman, he said, look, when the devil comes to my door, he said, I don't answer the door. <laughs> he said, I sense Jesus. And when they see Jesus, they go on and leave me alone. Hallelujah. We don't need to try to fight our own battles. Turn it over to the Lord.
Lord. He'll fight it for you and leave you with victory. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. I've learned that. <laughs> Took me a long time to learn that, but it works. It works, it works, it works. Hold to his hand. He'll take us through. See, a loving father, if he's got his son on a hiking trail out on a high mountain trail and it's a long ways down, you think that father's going to turn that son's hand loose? No. Well, you think our heavenly father don't love us better than that? See, he's not going to turn you loose. If he's in it turning loose, we turn him loose. He won't turn us loose. I want to hold on. Now I got to hurry. The word says, if ye, he says, through the spirit, do mortify, mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Mortify means to cut off. See, the body. See, see, the old body is, is still a descendant of Adam. I don't care if you have got the Holy Ghost. You got to watch that dude. He'll sprout every once in a while. Have you ever been in the vineyards where the husbandman was pruning the trees? Make you feel sorry for the trees sometimes. How about out in the grape vineyards when they're pruning? My Lord, I feel sorry for the vines. They don't hardly leave anything. But how do you like those nice, sweet, juicy, seedless grapes? i tell you something I learned after I got to be 68. Put them in the deep freeze and let them freeze. If you haven't tried that, I dare you to try it. They're the best things you ever tasted in your life in the summertime. They don't get hard. They're just mushy with that ice. In them. Don't we want to be sweet, loving, kind, fruit-bearing Christians? That's the Christians that win Hutchison to God. These sour prunes don't win too many people to the Lord. And persimmons and all that stuff, huh? Amen, amen, amen. It's the sweet and tempting fruit that does it. And we're not going to bear that good, sweet, luscious, wonderful fruit of the Spirit unless we are pruned. These deeds of the body have got to be mortified. Now all depends on this, whether you believe it or not. It's the truth. You cannot let the things of the world hang on to you and please God. They've got to come off. They've got to. Now I gotta hurry. Amen. The Bible said, well, let me go on and just talk to you a little bit more. Do you, do you remember in the 60s when they threw morality out the window? I think you can remember that far back. Don't pay any attention to what brother and sister elder said and the Sunday school superintendent says and the teacher says. Don't pay no attention to what mom and daddy said. Just get on out here in this world because you're going to only pass through here once and have yourself a good time. Then's when people started going on their honeymoon before they ever got married. 
There's when they quit getting mad and started shacking up. Of course, they don't do that in Hutchison. I'm sure, I'm sure you folks never heard of anything like that. My God, that's plumb out of this world. Yeah, that's huh? That's right. They don't get married. They just shack up. I don't know no other way to say it than say it that way. And then the thing, Pastor, that shocked me almost out of my shoes is when I picked up some of our leading magazines back in those days where the universities of our country, the high places of learning, advertised in color. Amen. Send me your beautiful little virgin daughter and let her stay in our dormitories. She can pick her out a roommate of her choice, whether it be male or female. Send me your virtuous young man, amen, that's got a great future before him. He can do likewise. Let me tell you this story. I'll hurry, I'll hurry, amen. Brother Elder probably never have me back again, but I'll just go ahead anyway, amen. So there was a young man went to one of these leading universities, and you know what he chose for his roommate? A blonde. That upset his parents to no end. And if you're any parent at all, that type of lifestyle for your young boy and girl should upset you. But the thing that's worrying this old boy, some of our families, is not being upset too much anymore. And that's what's worrying me. God has always hated sin. And if God destroys the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their evil living, I'll tell you if he don't do something to this country of ours, he'll have to wake them folks up and apologize to them. Now that's the truth. Now I think that makes sense to me. So this mom and daddy was so disturbed. But it was getting on over close to Christmas time. Of course, they wanted to see him. And finally, Mama picked up the phone and called him. Oh, we, are you coming home for Christmas? We want to see you so bad. We miss you so much. Yeah, I want to come, Mama. I, I, I miss y'all. I'm homesick. I want to come. But I want my friend to come with me. Well, that startled Mama, you know. Well, so, well, oh, well. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. Said, you know our house, we got a lot of bedrooms and uh, there'll be a bedroom for each other. Oh, no. If she comes home with me, she's got to share my bedroom. Now, that's how bold out of these young bucks and young gals get in this 20th century. 
Now that's bold in that bowl. I tell you, a lot of us sissy parents need to get a little holy boldness too. So mama, she said, now look, daddy, we've got to teach this boy something. He's coming home. He's going to bring this girl with him. And he says, she's going to share his bedroom. I want you to help me. We're going we're gonna to see if we can't teach him a lesson. Come on, parents, let's wake up. I said, come on, parents, let's wake up. So they went next door and got the neighbor and his wife to come over the night these kids were coming in and have supper with them. So they set it up with the neighbor. After supper and after we visited now, is something going to take place. Amen. I want, you, I want you to see this. I want you to hear this. This really happened. So when the neighbor man got ready to go home next door, why, this boy's mother said, okay, said, well, all right, son, said, uh, just make yourself at home now. I'm going home with Jim next door. And he said, I can't believe my ears. What do you mean? Sort of shocked him. All the blood drained out of his face. Mama going to go home and spend the night with the neighbor next door. My God. The son said, well, he got beside himself. They got up. His mama and the neighbor got up and was making preparation to leave. Told him good night. And they went out on the porch. The son went with his mother. Mama. What in the world's going on here? I can't believe this. You must be crazy. And she saw he was fixing to fight, and she ran to him and grabbed him and held him up. She said, well, this is no more crazy than what you're wanting to do and have been doing. I said, don't go, don't go. I will have separate bedrooms if you want go. She said, I didn't intend to go in the first place. I was just trying to teach you something. You have to go to some pretty drastic steps nowadays to teach a few people a few things. But it makes no difference what people do. If you'll come to God in your lost and undone condition, he'll forgive you and cleanse you and straighten your life out. There's only one unforgivable sin, and that's the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. How many of you are glad that God straightened your life out? Give him a little wave offering. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Bible tells us if you will walk, if you will walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Praise God. So when that spiritual gas tank of yours goes to registering low, get yourself to the altar. That's what church orders are built for. He said, I thought this was built for sinners. No, sir. You can go all the way back in the Old Testament. And who is the people that went to the altar the most? It was God's people. And we need to be riding the altars today. Now, now i got to say this. i just got to say this. Whether you believe it or not, it is still Bible and it is still the truth. The Bible says follow peace with 
A-double-L. Somebody pronounce that word for me. Oh, what does it mean? Well, now, why was you so light on that when I asked you what it meant? When I first asked you to pronounce the word, you said, oh, good and loud. But when I asked you what it meant, you said, oh. Don't it still mean all? That means with that old cantankerous neighbor of yours, follow peace with them as far as it's your part's concerned. If they're at outs with you, let it let them be at outs with you. But you're 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 at peace with them. I don't like these church folks that just because the neighbor scalds your dog, you you scald their cat. That won't get the job done. That will not win people to the Lord. Paul said, follow peace with all men. I've got to finish it now. I've just got to finish it. And holiness without which no man, that meant woman, and that meant boy, and that meant girl, holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I didn't put it there. Amen. That's been recorded in the Word of God ever since. If you go to a holy heaven, you're going to have to be a holy people. I'm talking about biblical holiness. Oh, God, oh, God. Now, I clipped a little something out of the Denver paper last year. Amen. A lot of preachers have accused me because they had a woman's picture on it. Well, the woman caught my eye. She's not too bad a looking woman, but she's not a Pentecostal. But the, the, the subject is what really got my eye. A cult scares ex-witch. Now, this woman was a witch, but she's an ex-witch. I'm glad she's an ex-witch, aren't you? I really am. I hope somebody will get the truth to her and get her baptized in Jesus' name and get her full of the Holy Ghost. But here's an ex-witch scared. I want to read a little bit of what it says here. She said, Occultism is a spiritual narcotic being fed to young people by producers of books, fantasy games, and rock recordings. A former witch warned. The occult and its many symbols are being used as a persuasive marketing tool, but they re represent an insidious menace to youth, she said. I'm going to skip on down to save time. Many youths are putting down illegal drugs and picking up occultism as a way of escaping from the reality of broken homes and other problems. She called for citizen activism against publishers of music producers who use the occult to allure teenage buyers. And you know what's happening. She said they were playing a type of emotional roulette with the minds of vulnerable youths. Did you know that suicide is one of the biggest things that's killing our young people today? Did you know when we was on the Navajo Reservation last year keeping the church for Brother Easter, did you know that the young Indians, the suicide among them is 10% higher than the national average? My God, you tell me the devil is not having a heyday today? 
But now listen to what this woman had to say. Now here's what, here's what really uh, uh, disturbs me when I think about what she said and what we're trying to get the church to do. She said be, she became an expert on the occult during her teenage years. When she was a teenager, she became an expert on the occult. And she said she dedicated, she dedicated, say dedicated. dedicated. Here's an ex-witch. When she was a witch as a teenager, she dedicated her life to Satan and the practice of black art. My God, here's the woman as a teenage girl dedicated her life to Satan. And some of you church people look at me and your pastor like we're fools when we try to get you to dedicate your lives to God. I say, Doc, I'm glad you've got a revival posted on your bulletin board and I hope and pray that God will give you a revival of revivals. But you know what would give our church the greatest revival that has ever hit of the world today if we could get all of our members, all of our members from board members, trustees, Sunday school superintendent, Sunday school teachers, amen to us preachers and our wives and all the members of the church young and old to dedicate our heart and life to God there is no telling what the Lord would do no telling oh Jesus oh Jesus oh Jesus Oh, you say, we don't have to worry about the occult. I don't know a thing about Hutchison. This is the first time I was ever here. But I grant you, you've got occultism and devil worship right here in this farming town. I didn't realize it is as bad as it is until I was awakened to it. Now, let me tell you an experience that happened last year that just shook me to know. And I told you I've been preaching a long time. This is an experience I've never had before since. Last year in a little home mission church on the western slope of Colorado, Montrose, Colorado, us pitching uh, for the pastor there. And the last night of the meeting, there were two young boys came in and sat down on the very back pew. And when they walked up and sat in, I, I, I couldn't help but notice them. They are the weirdest two looking fellows I ever saw. And they had on two t-shirts that was out of this world. Those were the weirdest looking things I ever saw. See, the church wasn't as long as this is a little home mission church. I could see real, real good. I'd never seen them before. I didn't know whether the church knew anything about them or not. But I noticed the pastor was running the preliminaries of the service, and he gave it to me. And when he gave it to me, instead of him sitting down like your pastor did, he left the platform and he went around behind. And, and he got that big young man. They were both young teenage boys, but one of them was big and husky, and the other was a little spindly fellow. He got that big one by the arm, and he took him down in the basement. Well, I was done the pulpit. I was wondering what was going on. I couldn't make all this out. See, there are a lot of stuff that's happening nowadays that this old preacher can't hardly cope with. I didn't know what was going on. But I knew that he had me there to preach and I had to get with the program. 
So I got with the program and all of a sudden I noticed that young fellow way back there, he got under conviction and big tears went to coming down his cheeks. I said, oh myself thank you Jesus this is what I love to see oh God help me get him that's a young man that's in deep trouble no doubt I can tell the way he looks see I don't care how you dressed or what you look like you're a human being and if you out in this world of sin you need Jesus I'm going to do everything in my power to get you into the kingdom of God so I went to work. Oh, I was preaching. God help me to preach to that boy. And so uh, this is a miracle of miracles. I cut my sermon short because I didn't want him to get through with his crying. I wanted to get him to the altar. So I, I give an altar call, and he is the first one to come. He knelt right here, right in front of me. He knelt right here. So I was patting him on the head and encouraging him to pray. Man, the tears were streaming and stuff from his nose was streaming. I sort of like to see that. I got a big question mark in my mind about these dry eye repentances. I like to see these women come in and the tears run and mascara run and rouge run and, and Max Factor run and Avon run. Amen. And drip over there. I figure when that's God's washing their faces with tears, something's taking place. I like to see these old boys come in. Maybe they got long hair. They got whiskers and cooties and they need a bath and everything else. But if I can see them weeping and crying, praying, Lord, have mercy on me. I don't care if he stinks. He's got a body odor. I'll pray with him because I know the Lord's got some cleansing power that will cleanse him and make him white as snow. This young man, he had such a sickening odor about him, I couldn't stand it. It wasn't so much body odor, it was another odor that I wasn't used to. Yeah, it was, you know what it was. I don't even have to tell you. But I knew he needed God. He was even glassy-eyed. But he wasn't so far out in space that he didn't know what was going on. So I, I, several others came to the altar and I got the church to come in, see the pastor, and this other guy was still down in the basement. So we had them praying good and I was give out and they was praying good and I was patting him on the head and encouraging him to pray. Amen. And all of a sudden the pastor came up with this big dude. Now the way that big dude walked, you know, he, he strutted. You could just tell by the way he walked. He didn't think there was a man alive that was big enough to lay him down. I said, oh, buddy, you're not as big as you think you are. Did you know there are a lot of people today done got too big for God? Yeah, a lot of you men and women out there, you done got you a good car and a good home and a good bank account and a good business and a good farm. You think you don't need nobody. I got news for you. This God that's looking over this universe is bigger than all of us put together. He can wipe you out in two minutes' time. I've seen it happen with a flood or a tornado or an earthquake. He wiped people out in no time. So when this big dude come in, he got to looking for his buddy. He couldn't find his buddy. I got to hurry up. Now, this is my last. I'm going to close. I'm not through, but I'm going to close with this. So when he noticed his buddy down here praying, well, he came around. He's around. 
He's standing about as far from him as you are. And he got to listen. And man, this boy here was praying. Well, I got a hold of that old big boy's heart. And he got to pray. And he closed his eyes. And I motioned some of the fellows to get around him. Some of them was getting around him, praying with him, you know. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that big dude hit that floor like a ton of brick. Didn't nobody hit him. You know what did it? God just, he just blowed on him a little with his spirit. He hit the floor. He's the most amazed fellow you ever saw. He, he didn't dream anybody could lay him down that hard. Well, this little man here, he didn't know nothing that was going on because he was praying like I've never heard a man pray. And people, you need to pray like that if you intend to get right with God. So, the big fellow, he finally got up and he is standing over here behind his buddy and is praying. He wasn't doing good. I was wanting God to kill him. I said, God, you got to hit him harder than that. I was saying this in my mind. You ain't done it yet, God. He, he's a big shot. He thinks he's something else. But notice now, here's the thing that bewildered me. All of a sudden, there was an expression came over that big dude's face like I've never seen before in my life. He came down across his body with both of his hands, and he tore that shirt to shreds off of his body. And there he was standing there topless in church. You've heard of topless places. We had a topless church that morning. Well, it shocked the pastor, shocked some of the saints. And uh, when I saw that guy not looking, I, you know, I, I was giving the church that. You know, I didn't know what was going on, but I knew God was doing something. See, God can do anything. So one of the young men about your age and size run to me and said, whispered in my ear, Brother Randy, I got some shirts back there in Sunday school room. Want me to get one? I said, go get it, go get it, go get it. He run and got a shirt, come back and put it on that big dude. This little fellow right in front of me, he didn't know none of this was going on. So we got a shirt on him. They kept him praying. All of a sudden, see, this little fellow had been down here on his knees a long time. He'd been praying a while. So he got up and stood up. And I encouraged him, come on, man, pray, pray, pray. But notice now, this little man, that same expression came over his face. And he come across his body and got that awful looking t-shirt and tore it to shreds off of his body and flopped it down in the floor. And there he was, topless. So the young man said, I got another shirt. I said, get it, get it, get it. <laughs> so we got a shirt on this dude. And in just a little bit after he got the shirt on, the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. I mean, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. You talk about rejoicing and shouting. We had a time in the church that morning. Amen. He prayed through the real experience with God. So these two boys wanted to be baptized. But you'll never believe what that little man took out of his pockets and gave it. It took both of my hands to hold the junk, the dope, and everything else that he had in his pockets. See, you have to lay that stuff down. See, here's the thing. Those young fellows should have said no to the devil back there before they ever got hooked on all this mess. 
But as they didn't, God had mercy on them to let them slip into this church. Amen. And he forgave them and filled this one with the Holy Ghost and there's going to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sin. But where are the few that are coming in and doing that? There are literally thousands that are not. So after they was baptized and they got into their clean clothes, dry clothes, I, I had the little fella got the Holy Ghost. I said, come here, son. I got to ask you something. I said, in God's name, what happened to you when you tore that T-shirt off of your body? Now, here's what he told me. He said, Brother Reince, don't you know? I said, no, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. See, that's the trouble with a lot of us old fuddy-duddies. We think we've been here long enough that we know everything. I got news for you. I'm learning new stuff every year. Especially about this world. I don't know about that. So he said, well, Brother Reigns, these shirts that we are wearing represent the occult. I said, well, I knew they represented something. I never saw anything as weird in my life. He said, we were so far out into the occult, our next step, we was going to be in Satan's church. So listen, parents, when you don't know where you young people are, who they're with and what they're doing, I got news for you. They may not be in church. They could be in a seance out somewhere. They could be out with a bunch popping drugs and dope. Amen. And smoking pot and taking crack. I've often heard about crack brains. And now we've got crack brains all over the country. They, I heard a man give a testimony. One dose of crack and you can get addicted to it. It messes up your mind. My Lord, Pastor, you understand why I'm doing this, don't you? Amen. If we can just warn you and forewarn you and keep you away from junk like that, where you can be saved, that's our purpose here in the first place. I said, son, I didn't know that. But I said, in God's name, what possessed you to tear that thing off of your body? He said, well, it felt like there was 10,000 wiggly worms in there, and I had to get it off the quickest way I could. I said, thank God, thank God, thank God. I said, thank God, you'll never put another thing like that on. He said 10 million thousand times no. He learned no the hard way. Well, no, let's learn it a little better than that. My God in Jesus' name, there must be control. Keep control of your life. Keep it yielded and dedicated to God so that he can carry you on from victory to victory. Oh, Lord, help us. Paul did not put this verse of Scripture in there for no other purpose in the world but to try to warn us. Amen. To live close to the Lord. If you don't believe it, get on over in the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians and read what happened to the children of Israel. Amen. He said this was an example that we shouldn't lust after the things that they lusted. See, they was in the marvelous miracle of crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. God 
fed them manna from heaven. He gave them good, cold, clear, pure water from a rock. He preserved their clothes that they didn't wear out. When they got tired of manna, he sent them quail to eat. You can't eat no higher than that and to eat quail, friend. That's how good God is. But listen, they forgot all those marvelous miracles and blessings of God and got out in the wilderness wandering and they forgot the Lord and fell into sin and he destroyed them by the thousands. Did you know destruction is beginning to hit a lot of places today? Oh, God, have mercy. Have mercy. I'm trying to be your friend. I don't want nothing bad to happen to you. Amen. I want everything good to happen to you. Amen. And if you love God and dedicate your heart and life to God, everything good will happen to you. Would you stand with me right now?